This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. We thank God for this sermon series, The Lawful Works of Grace. We're continuing this week from the premise and this title, Five Reasons Why Women Should Teach, Preach, and Minister. We thank God for the scripture in Galatians yet holds true. Galatians three twenty six through 29 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This message is yet focusing on how God uses his daughters in ministry. He does not want them abused. He does not want them disparaged by sexism. So much of this is going on around the world and in churches, my God. Pentecost will be hindered if we continue in this malady. It's a false teaching. But God is able. He can do exceeding abundantly above what we could ask or think to those who are spiritual and are connected with God, the prayers of the righteous ones will avail much. Uh, if your prayer is connected to God and it is fervent, full of the glorious presence of God's fiery presence, amen, it, it burns up dross. And this is one of the uh, impediments that need to be burned up. It is not needed. God is going to bring freedom to worship. Thank God. And the Holy Ghost has led me to compile the notes for this study. And uh, these notes render five reasons why women should teach, preach, and minister. We went through number one, equality in creation. We went through number two, uh, equality in redemption. Now we look to three, four, and five. I think I can fit them all in. So let's look at number three. Equality in call. How does God call us? Jesus changed everything for his followers when he walked into their lives and called out, Come and follow me. Jesus called the 12 apostles and they left everything to follow him. Jesus changed everything for his women followers too. And there were many of them. Women in Jesus's day were not allowed to study the scriptures or be instructed in the faith. That is how culture was. Jesus, Jesus was placed in that Jewish culture. And God used Israel as an example for us all. He came through that line. And, uh, but he didn't just come for them not just unto the Jew, but also unto the Greek, as the New Testament puts it. In other words, all of us Gentiles who are not born in a 
Jewish uh, lineage, but uh, he came for the whole world. He said, I am the savior of the world, the light of the world. And this is that Jesus that came. And when he found the culture as it was, he knew that it was not according to his creatorial will, my God. And uh, women were hidden behind veils and, and mostly secluded in their homes. That's how uh, Jesus found the Jewish women. Uh, rabbis or church leaders did not publicly speak to women, not even to their own wives and daughters, not publicly. A daughter can't tug on his clothing and daddy, and he, he'll look at her like, Sh are you crazy? You don't talk to me out here. Mm -mm. But I thank God that chains were broken. And I remember I was walking in the presidium uh, into the congregation uh, where they were from the pastor, the great bishop's office. And we were walking behind him, carrying our Bibles and things and walking to the pulpit. And my daughter was sitting with my wife. And was Andre born at that time? Not yet, but, but Sienna, little Sienna, my God, toddler. And uh, I guess she felt so one with her mother because her mother calls me Tony. So she pointed with glee and happiness, and I could see her dimple ever glimmering in the light of the church. And she said, Tony! <laughs> and then I just blushed and looked over. I thought it was a nice thing. I knew what she meant and what it was all about, so she was happy and proud of her dad walking through the air like that. It did something for her. It made her day, amen? And woe unto me to frown at her and say, shut her up, you know, crush her spirit. We're not here to crush the spirit of the women. Jesus didn't come to crush the spirit of the women, hallelujah. Because back then they would have been like, shut her up. Women can't talk in a church. How how you going to let the little girl talk in church, you know? But uh, I thank God it wasn't like that. So Jesus came to change things, heal things. My God. Yes, sir. And, uh, uh, you know, but back then women did not speak in public. Isn't that something? But Jesus changed everything. <laughs> he came. Iconoclastic Jesus. My God. Tradition-breaking Jesus, hallelujah. You know, he called for Mary of Bethany to come out of the kitchen and sit at his feet with the other disciples as he taught them. He had many women followers who left their homes and traveled with him and the uh, 12 disciples. He didn't say female disciples, he just said disciples. Luke 8, the eighth chapter tells us that Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna went from city to village with Jesus. Jesus talked to women in public. Scandalous. Scandalous Jesus. He talked to the women, uh, and it wasn't even, you know, found out beforehand whether they were sick or not, because if a woman had issue of blood, Oh, no, you, you, you don't you steer clear of that. We don't want to be close to. Nevertheless, we will never touch such a woman or talk to them. My God. But Jesus talked to a woman with a 
hemorrhage, and he healed her. My God, in public. There were so many people. Somebody touched me, and the disciples thought, you know, Jesus had lost it. How could you say someone touched you? Seemingly everybody's trying to touch you. You see all these people out here? But she touched him in a special way. Amen. Thank God. Till healing virtue left out of him, and he could tell a piece of his anointing went to somebody in faith, and, and, and it accomplished what it set out to do, to heal, to deliver, to set free. Amen. And in doing so, uh, by ministering to that woman, you know what? Jesus broke the law. He was a lawbreaker, y'all. For a religious leader to touch a bleeding woman, oh, that was slanderous. But Jesus was not afraid of proclaiming the good news of full uh, liberation and freedom to women. He talked to the Samaritan woman at the well in Scripture. Uh, a Jew would not speak to a Samaritan, no, and a man would not speak to a woman, but Jesus did. And he spoke to her in front of everyone. It was no accident that Jesus affirmed women. Jesus placed a high priority on touching, talking to, and calling those who were excluded from positions of leadership. Excluded from power in the society of the day that he came to the earth to uh, be clothed in human flesh. Ah, yes, Emmanuel was among them. He came to proclaim a new way for Jew and the Greek, men and women, bond and free, to live together. So, yes, there was an equality made in the call. Yes. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at number four. Equality in example. What do I mean by example? If you are going to be used as a messenger, maybe as an ambassador for the Lord. We are ambassadors for Christ, the scripture said. Uh, representatives, representing him, um, being one who testifies on his behalf. So in the Gospel of Luke, the story is recorded that on the third day after the crucifixion of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, I'm calling her, which really is the family where Jesus was born. Amen. And, and Joanna went to, uh, these women went to the tomb to anoint his body. But when the three women arrived at the tomb, Jesus's body was miraculously and surprisingly gone. An angel appeared to the women and they ran to tell the disciples, the, the men folk. But the disciples did not believe the women. Their stories sounded like nonsense to them. They had no faith. Were they not listening to what Jesus said? It did not, amen, ring a bell to them yet. The Holy Ghost had not come fully upon them. They needed that second chapter of Acts upper room experience. But seemingly the women got it without being in the upper room. Uh, my God, they were able to see Jesus. But amen, if you were with Jesus and he taught you and, and he showed you all kinds of things, 
it is on you to have faith. You have to decide to go into where the Holy Ghost is leading you so that he will reveal the full truth of the Lord you are worshiping. The Gospel of John also recounts the resurrection, and in this record, only Mary Magdalene stays at the tomb. The other disciples went away in despair and disbelief. Mary wept when she saw Jesus' body was gone. Angels appeared to ask her why she was crying, and when she turned from them, there stood Jesus. And he talked to her. He said to her, go to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my father, your father, to my God and your God. Jesus, Jesus himself gave the command. It didn't come through a third party. My God, it came from Jesus himself. He gave the command, the commission. The privilege of testifying about the resurrection, he gave this responsibility to a woman because she remained faithful. Amen. Jesus still calls women to tell the story of resurrection, the story of freedom, the story of his God and their God. Jesus calls women, yes, to preach, teach, and minister. Thank God. We're already at number five. Equality in empowerment. And what do I mean by that? The power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So in the second chapter of Acts, we will see uh, the chronicling of a situation, of an experience, for it tells of faith-changing events that happened on the day of Pentecost, when the believers in Jerusalem and many international visitors were all together in one place. That's what the scriptures say. The Holy Spirit was poured out that day on all flesh, not just male flesh, not just Jewish flesh, people from many nations, many races, many languages. They were all given the power to proclaim the truth of their personal experience. It was personal first. He came to them. And then as joint heirs, as lively stones fit jointly together, they had a corporate experience together too. Now when Peter stood to address this diverse and noisy crowd that day that were outside gathered, for they heard of this situation, he reminded them and he reminds us all of the uh, Old Testament promise from the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, all flesh, it says in the King James Version. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. What did he say? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Even on my servants, both men and women, 
I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they were given the spirit in equality. He did not give women less than he gave men. He gave of his spirit. He did not specify a little bit for them and a lot for them. He didn't do like I do at home. I want the biggest piece of whatever dinner is on the plate. I tell my wife, I get the big, you get the little. <laughs> That's coming from my being the eldest child in my home. I made certain that when I sat at the dinner table, usually I got there first because I didn't want to mess around and, 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 you know, mess up my position. You know, I'm not going to squander my birthright now. I got there first, and the platter of chicken was out there, and I made sure I got the most biggest, sumptuous piece that I could. I was allowed to get after Dad, of course. Thank God. And they were goofing around. Uh, 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 first come, first serve. My God, you're not there, you're going to lose out. Dinner was one time, not all this microwave. We didn't have a microwave, no. Microwave is destroying the family. My God, everybody come all times. You're supposed to be talking at the dinner table so I can look in your eyes and see what's going on. You know, the families were better when they had more of that. But thank God, you got to use the microwave correctly, y'all. And still have talks, even though you may not eat together. Find a way to talk together, Amen. But I used to do that. I made sure I got the biggest piece of chicken, the, 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 the tallest glass, the Kool-Aid, biggest piece of cake for dessert. Amen. I get the big and you get the little. And I, I brought that into my own home. But I play around with it. I say, I get the big and you get the little. But I make sure everybody get what they're supposed to get. Amen. And these days in time with adult children living in your home, you know, everybody get basically the same amount unless they say they don't want that much. Amen. Thank God. And I thank God they can help cook. The only difference we have is your diet is different. Amen. My mother cooked one meal and that was it. Some for you, some for you, some for you. Thank God it wasn't no, are you vegan? Oh, you, what are you, what are you, what are you? You, do, you can't have gluten, what's up? What do you need, what do you need, what are you allergic to? Seemed like nobody was allergic to anything. We all ate the same thing. Some for you, some for you, some for you. And we all got the same thing. I feel like Jesus is doing that in the Holy Ghost. He's giving everybody the same thing. The Holy Ghost. He didn't say, let me uh, give you a baby spoonful, women. That's all you need. Take you, take you, eat all of it. That's it. Did he say that in scripture? He's pouring out on all. And we know that story, the prodigal son. Seemed like he was wasting his substance. But if you look again, you can infer that really it seems like a negative name for God. But Yehovah Yireh, the God of more than enough. That's one of the meanings of that name. You know, he will see to it. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You know how we say it in the West. <laughs> Thank God. But, but he pours out. And seemingly in a wasteful way because he gives us baptismal portions. Whether we could fit it all or not, it's more than we could fathom or think. It's a seeding. It's abundant. Amen. He fills, he overflows. Out of your belly shall flow what rivers 
How are you going to fit rivers in your little self? God is gushing it all out. He's pouring it out. Amen. He's letting it overflow over and over. It's overflowing in me. He's, over, he's overflowing. He overflowed it back then, and he's yet overflowing it by his spirit. We serve God. He's bigger than us. He's the big, and we're the little. Hallelujah. We are weak, but he is strong. Hallelujah. I thank God for that. He empowers us all. He called out. And that uh, was in Acts 2, verses 16 through 18. In those days, yes, and these are yet those days. He's yet pouring out the book of Acts rightly, basically should not be really called the Acts of the Apostles. They are the Acts of the Holy Ghost. Amen. For the Holy Ghost is doing all the action, committing to all the action, causing the action. Peter caught wind, if you will, a mighty rushing wind from God. God breathed freshly upon him. Amen. And he was enabled by God to clearly announce the truth the Spirit is available to empower all people to prophesy, all people to preach. And when sexism comes in, we have men at the head, and they will only give out immaturely without knowing the complete will of God, without submitting completely to the will of God, and they will only let women do only but so little. They can't preach. They, ha they have to only reach. My God, we might let you prophesy here and there and there, maybe a little bit over there, but you're not going to get up here and preach, you know. But God said, everyone on whom the Spirit is poured is free to prophesy, to speak up about what God has done. Some contemporary Christians like to qualify the freedom given to women to prophesy by making a distinction between prophesying and preaching. They concede that women might be free to speak up when so moved, but women still should not preach or lead. Why not? Women did in the early church, you know. Women can be found everywhere between the lines of the New Testament. Look closely, especially in Romans 16. One Phoebe, called Phoebe the deacon, and that's it. She's mentioned. Phoebe the what? Deacon. It didn't even say deaconess. Some versions add that in. Many Bible translations designate Phoebe as a helper or deaconess and call the men deacons. However, the same word is used in original texts for all the deacons. Phoebe and the male deacons held the same position in the early church. Amen. And when they called the deacons, all of them stood up, Phoebe and the rest of them. Amen. Phoebe probably stood up stronger and, and more on time and ready to do than a lot of her male counterparts, most likely. My God, who was at the tomb, hello, don't get me started. But in the same chapter, we see Mary mentioned. Uh, these women that were most likely twin sisters. Check out their names, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Sound like twin names, right? 
<laughs> try, try. Trithena and Trifosa. My God. Probably twins, most uh, scholars agree. Guess what? They were deacons. Amen. Isn't it cool you can have the ascetic value, right? Uh, bookends. Twins. Working in the church. Deacon to the left. Deacon to the right. You know? Trifena? No, I'm Trifosa. Oops, my bad. You know. But they were both working. They were what? Deacons. My God. There was some more. One called Persis, a woman. She had a lot of purses. No, that's just my joke, actually. One named Julia. And, and another woman, somehow they didn't get her name, but they made mention through this means an unnamed woman listed as sister of a man named Nereus. What's Nereus' sister name? I oh, don't know. I didn't catch it. Oh, man, I'm just going to have to write it like that. The sister of a man named Nereus, but she's a woman, and she was working in the church. Amen? They didn't want to leave anybody out. Check that out. And also Olympus. My God, they're all listed as what? Workers for the Lord. Workers in the Lord's will. Let's not forget Eodia and Syndicate. They worked side by side with Paul. And we can be resolutely assured that they were not just pouring teeth for Paul. Amen. Check out Philippians 4, 2, where they were mentioned. Uh, Priscilla, you heard of her and her husband, Priscilla and Aquila? My God, Priscilla earned the title as Paul's co-worker in Christ. Check that out. Co-worker. Just as bad as he was, as if you use the 70s vernacular, my God. Romans also records that she and her husband risked their lives for Paul and had a church in their home. Basically, the churches in that time were held in homes. And scripture, usually when you hear about this couple, will mention her name first most of the time. That's unheard of in the Jewish culture. But no, this isn't just the Jewish culture now. This is the new creation called the church. Thank God. And it's not, it's not about male and female. God said, I pour my spirit upon all flesh. There's an equality in empowerment. Hallelujah. And in Acts 21, there were four unmarried daughters of Philip and they're described as prophets, not prophetess, prophets. Amen. And there were many others, but I don't want to hold you too long. These were spirit-filled women who preached, taught, prophesied, and risked their lives for the cause of Christ. You know, the Christian church was born on Pentecost, the day when the spirit was poured, poured out. My God, and those who believed and began to spread the word were from many nations, many races, and both genders. The equality of empowerment is one of the characteristics of the truly spirit-filled church. If you are a spirit-filled church, there should be equality in empowerment and these other equalities that we have gone through. And we are done. 
But remember this, the house of God's truth about women in ministry, and we're just beginning this, this walk. I'm going to teach about it here and there in our series, but I'm going to come, amen, as the Holy Ghost will have me, come strong for Tamar's Oasis ministry, amen, and that's the women's ministry. So, amen, they invited me, and I'm going to come as God has already given me a good word for that too. Amen. Talk more about this situation. My God. But we better remember the house of God's truth about women in ministry stands on five main bedrock truths. Equality in creation, equality in redemption, uh, equality in call, equality in example, and equality in empowerment. A theology of women in ministry must be built on these factors they form a foundation and women guess what yes by the lord's will are free and qualified to preach teach and minister why because god has created women in the divine image and declared that she is good amen God has provided a way to fully redeem women and all of fallen humanity. Jesus has called all to witness to the resurrection in their lives, to proclaim the amazing news of new life to others. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out to empower all flesh, including women's flesh. The house that God has built has its doors thrown open wide to all who would enter. Women have always come to the house of God willingly to serve, uh, a lot of times more than the menfolk. There are books out there why men do not come to church. My God, maybe there's not enough football games and hot wings served. My God, but that's a deep message. We'll get into that one day. My God. But women are free to preach and teach. Thank God. It's just like the few men that do come, they want to do like apartheid and just take control of uh, the great mass of women. The great mass controlled by the few. But God came to dispense of that apartheid. My God, he wants to free the women. Hallelujah. Women can also minister and lead. God's house is a house where women and men are called, both called, to work together, to learn to honor each other as God's good creation. Let's stand and give God a praise for his, amen, call to freedom and worship. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Hey, God, we thank you, Lord, for freedom of worship. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit poured out on all flesh. We thank you, Lord. Free the women. Free the women. Set the captive free in the name of Jesus all across the country, all across this land, even around the world, Lord. Free the women. Hey, let freedom ring. Hallelujah. We know you're able, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www. 
www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you. Thank you.